it was always part of the plan to put a brewery in, but for many years it, it was just a plan. It's 100% acquisition of Green Beacon. No, we had a chat with everybody. Anyone would have seen this coming a mile away. It's the passion and the, the dedication to beer and brewing. Oh, yeah. That's super simple and direct question. It's always fun to get to speak about beer. And that's just what we're here to do, talk about beer. I'm Bruce News Editor Matt Kirkegaard, and thanks to Crime Malt, this is Beer is a Conversation, our weekly sit-down with the people shaping the beer industry, and through these conversations, we dig a little deeper into the business of beer and brewing. The Australian brewing landscape is evolving rapidly, and here we try and make sense of what is happening and better understand the issues shaping the industry. This week, we head across to Perth for another conversation that was meant to be in person, but had to be done by phone due to COVID-19, this time with Andy Scade from Lyons Bevy Brewery. In this chat, we learn how Andy went from putting the caps on his dad's homebrew to making his own as a young art student before falling in love and deciding that a career in brewing was calling him. It's a fun chat that tracks the history of the modern craft beer movement, including topics like how can we engage people in beer and what craft means? It's one of those conversations that I genuinely wish I could have had over beer, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Andy Skade, welcome to Beer as a Conversation. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, mate, we, we caught up very briefly last year at WABA, um, the Western Australian Brewers Association, uh, when you guys had the uh, trade hub. But we haven't really talked about you and Bevy and some of the other things that are going on. So thank you very much for joining us. Although I'd imagine, given we're recording this at the height of the shutdowns, um, you might have a little bit of extra time on your hands. Is that a fair assumption? Uh-huh. <laughs> Well, there's a little bit of working from home at the moment because the the pub is shut. But um, most of my weeks now, I've been redeployed down to Little Creatures, down to the packaging line. Now, now you've worked at Little Creatures before, but like just about any Western Australian craft brewer, you've, you've, you've done a stint there. But I would have thought that the packaging line might be a bit of a demotion for you. <laughs> Oh, it's um, it's quite funny because it is one of it's a little humbling to be uh, in the junior spot down at uh, down on the pack line. Yeah, I'm in the what they call the box spot, which is sort of where the cartons are formed up and the six packs go in, which they they put the the junior person into. So <laughs> they they've got me in that, um, which is a bit humbling because I was when I was standing there the other day, I thought oh, last time I did a shift here was. 12 years ago and I was running the site and now I'm, now I'm in the junior spot so uh, I've got full circle. <laughs> a little bit of humility you know so we're, we're all learning well, something in the current situation and you got it don't you like you when you, you when you think that and then you think oh hang on I've, I've got a job and I'm, I'm lucky to have one in the current climate so um, yeah you got you got to definitely be uh, grateful for that kind of thing at the moment. Now, has it changed much since uh, you were there 12 years ago? There's been a huge expansion, but um, although it probably hasn't expanded too much, it's been Geelong that's had most of the expansion. Yeah, the, the, so the, 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 the Little Creatures Frio packaging line is um, pretty pretty much the same, but obviously the, the, the level of expertise that's gone through there since, since I was there, there's lots of really interesting changes in terms of the way they're controlling their quality and and um, their systems. So it's kind of, on the one hand, I'm kind of 
reminiscing a little bit like oh that's still the same and i remember that thing <laughs> um but then on the other hand i'm like it's quite interesting seeing how they've improved the place so have you found yourself um, saying to any of the the your, your younger colleagues on the packaging line oh back in my day oh I'm trying, yeah i'm trying to avoid doing that because that, <laughs> that 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 does get annoying when people do it too much isn't it so I, I sort of was biting my tongue a bit because I was like, well, back in my day, we did it like this. And I was like, oh, no, no, keep, keep your mouth shut. You know, they don't want to hear too much of that. What I have been doing, though, is I t- I've been like uh, taking photos of things and then like messaging people that I used to work with, like, oh, that thing's still here. Or remember when that thing broke down or whatever. So uh, a bit of, bit of nostalgia with some other people. But just, just to have a little bit of context over, over your career, how old are you? Uh, just turned forty. Okay, okay. So yeah, well, I was going to say like you because you 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 certainly have a, still a young look about you. So for someone who's fifty, um, <laughs> you, you certainly do. But it, but it also gives us a little bit of context because I do like to talk about. For me, I started writing about beer in the late nineties um, and had been sort of really passionate about beer, really interested in beer. Um, you know, through the the, the mid to late nineties, and I've really noticed I, I have a bit of a watershed around. 2000 because that was the year that little creatures launched and it was probably the first big play in craft beer from an independent as it was then um, outside of james squire but it was the one that you know for a long time more brewers were inspired by their first to, to, to get into brewing by their first trial of uh, little creatures um, it, it's been the proving ground for so many and training ground for so many brewers but then it's also brought so many people to the craft beer movement and I think you know when you look at in 2000 when you're 18 and drinking legally that person is now going to be 38 so and I've, I've got this theory that the further you are older than you know 38 now the more likely you are to be about craft beer and sometimes your perception is shaped by where you, you, you fall in that continuum from uh, 2000. Yeah, look, I mean, it's it's interesting, isn't it? Are you kind of, you see the demographics changing a bit as, as people are ageing and who's into what. And yeah, I guess that sort of, that demographic, that age demographic where when, where I sit. Um, yeah, I, I, I guess when I got into it, you, you I don't think you realise there wasn't many people really into it. Um, and now it's, it's, it's so common, isn't it, now to have lots of people into craft beer and you catch up with people or friends that you haven't seen for a few years and last time you saw them they were, you know, maybe Lashes was as adventurous as they were getting and now they're full bottle on, on all sorts of things you didn't think they would be. Um, like I, I bumped into a guy at a, at a birthday party about a year ago and I hadn't seen him for maybe five or six years and um, he came up to me and he was – off the deep end passionate like he was just heavily into home brewing knew like brewers names he knew that it was joel brewing at an innate brewery or do you know what i mean he was referencing things i was like that is just you've gone full passionate knowledge um and last time i saw you you kind of barely drinking a, a gateway beer so um it's it's so interesting how it's changing isn't it and so many people are now into it um and people that are in the, who are under thirty are what I call you know craft beer natives um, because you know they've grown up when there's always been craft beer. Whereas people, you know, my mates who are very similar to what you've just described, we were drinking legally before Forex Gold was first brewed, which was ninety two, and I think we all turned eighteen in 
1988. Um, so, you know, we had four years of drinking Forex Heavy before Forex Gold even came about. So for them, thing. Right. Yeah, that's how old I am anyway. So uh, how did you first get into to beer? Was it something that when you're at school, you thought, you know, I, I want to be a brewer or what was your, what was your epiphany into the world of beer? I guess uh, growing up, my dad always homebrewed. So I, you know, as a kid would help him bottle the, you know, put the caps on and things like that. So or I know the Cooper's kit. Just Cooper's kids. Yep. He's um, my dad's uh, Scottish. Uh, he's he's a, a tight ass, uh, <laughs> and he would homebrew Cooper's kits and shandy them. <laughs> it was as was as sophisticated as it got. But I, you know, like I, I was, you know, I helped him put the caps on, and I just thought it was sort of fun. And then I guess I went to uni, and then I got into home brewing, and I just went off the deep end really quickly. So that by the time, and I was doing an arts degree, which gets you nowhere, um, but it's a lot of fun. That's where um, I started. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess by the end of the degree, I just knew that, that, that brewing, if I could make a living in brewing, that would be pretty cool. And at that point, I guess, I, Nail Ale was, John Storwood was was started, was brewing in the basement of Bobby Dazzler's. Like 20 years and ago, he's celebrating out, 20 years uh, yeah, this year. 20 yeah, years, yeah. And so I would cut out articles on, 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 on that kind of thing. I knew that it existed and I knew there was a course at Ballarat that I could go and do and things like that. And then I was researching how to get in and I went and did some backpacking in Europe and I went to as many breweries as humanly possible while I did about six months of backpacking in Europe. So UK and Belgium and Germany and, um, you know, sort of obsessively collected beer coasters and things like that and <laughs> wrote notes about... You know, this case like this and that. And and then by the time I came back to Perth, the, the course at um, Edith Cowan University had, had started up. So I went and did the post-grad in brewing there and um, just fell in with people, you know, people on that course who are, some of them are still still around the scene and, and whatever. And uh did my ibd it was called the no it's the diploma now Mm -hmm. i can't know what they call it then the the associates on the other um did the diploma things for ibd you you would have been working already when you did the ibd diploma no i i did them concurrently with the with the um yeah i just um the guy who was my lecturer his name's dio lule and dio um he was working at the sail and anchor at the time and I just hung out with him a lot as well because I just wanted to get in and we, we got along really well. And he said, oh, while you're doing your Edith Cowan studies, you should do your IBD as well. So I just uh, knocked off the first two of those diplomas while I was studying. And then uh, what did I do after that? I, um, I don't know. I, I did, there's a little brewery called Ironbark here in near the Swan Valley. I, I picked know up some it. casual yeah. work with them. Was Ironbark the um, no? So, so the Ironbark's up in the Swan Valley. Yes, no, no. Sorry. Yes, it, yeah, sort of just on the edge of the Swan Valley. I think it's it's still there. Um, did a little casual work for them, and and because Dio was down at the Sail and Anchor, I just sort of hung out down there with those guys. I did some work experience with them. Then it must have been two thousand and three or something. That, that was Little Creek. I got my first job at Little Creatures. On the bottling beer line. <laughs> <laughs> on the little on the little old packaging line. Um, it was very manual, and and then um, went from there. 
So that was sort of that was the intro. And what was it about brewing? You know, obviously, there was that engagement with, you, with with your dad, which is something that is always very, very special. Um, but was there something about the, the the process itself that fired your imagination? The thing that I still love about it is it's science, but it blends beautifully with art. Um, there's there's a certain art to making a great beer. The tradition and history. I love history. So that when I was studying an arts degree, I was studying history. That was my major. So I love history and tradition, and got really captured by the European traditions of of brewing. I'll have to sit you and Sean Sherlock down on in front of a mic one day because he he's, <laughs> he's got a PhD in history. If oh my god! Not. Yeah, really? yeah. Um, and then didn't get a job at the end of it. Probably no, that was the thing. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so I just, I love all that, and then obviously that new wave of craft coming out of America. So it's new and exciting, but you know, if you look at all the great breweries that come out of the states, they all got their inspiration from traditional breweries across Europe. So you can't help but just love all that kind of melding there, um, and it's hands-on as well. You know, um, and my current job is back to being hands-on, which I'm really enjoying. That sort of blend back to sort of um, getting to be more, um, you know, tactile with the process, um, which is great. So I guess those things really fired me up. Um, and then, you know, like I did, speaking of like little creatures and, and when it started in 2000, I remember going in the first week they were open because I was really, uh, I was obsessed at that point. I was wanting to, I think, I, I think I'd start, no, I hadn't started the ECU course at that point, but I knew that's, that's what I was going to do. And so I went in the first week that they were open and uh, I talked to Miles Hull, who um, was the original venue manager, and he's gone on to do lots and lots of things in the in the beer world. Um, and you know, and and he sort of told me about what they were doing in there, and so that really fired me up. Um, I remember going to Feral the day Feral opened. Brendan opened the doors, and 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 this guy Dio Lule, who was my lecturer, Dio and and Brendan had worked together at DME Australia, so Dio was like we got to go up and, and, and check out Feral. So the day Brendan opened was the day I met him and went in and, and got to have a look around. And I think just those initial interactions in the industry and how friendly it was as well really fired me up. What was your first impression of Little Creatures when you walked in? Because I, I'll, I'll tell you mine after you tell me yours. <laughs> first impression. <laughs> um, so I guess my perception of brewing at that point or, and, and breweries was very sort of sail and anchor, like a, like a, classic pub with a with a brewery in the corner doing a broad range of of things you know there's a dark beer there's a there's a lager there's a you know sort of a nice uh, bit of everything that was sort of my impression at the time so walking into little creatures it just blew my mind <laughs> like i didn't really know how to take it all in it was humongous um the the bars cavernous with the big tanks and I remember asking dumb questions of Miles like, why don't you do a stout? Or I didn't really understand why they were sort of focused on a on three beers only. I, I didn't really get it. So I remember asking silly questions about, you know, where's, where's your stout? Where's your, where's your other <laughs> things? And the pale ale, yeah, it just seemed fruity and I, I, I really liked it, but I didn't really... I didn't really get it, you know, like, uh, 
but again, it just sort of, yeah, fired me up to, to what else is out there in terms of the flavours that you could have in beer. It's interesting you say that because I, I, I don't think I first got to Little Creatures in Fremantle till about 2004, and so I'd had, I'd had the beer here for a while, um, and probably in, in, in those days it hadn't travelled you know, perfectly. But walking into the brew pub in that big old sale factory, and it, like you, it blew my mind. It was unlike anything else that I'd experienced because it, everywhere else was a fairly traditional place. And this was, it was just such a fun and funky and engaging venue where the service was just top notch despite the relaxed vibe. And I've still got photos of, of that trip, we, you know, sitting out the front and they, they had a squeeze bottle of um, sunscreen out the front um, and olive trees and bocce out the back and, you know, just, just a lot of stuff that Phil and the team had obviously brought back from Portland and some of those, you know, they'd been inspired by what they'd seen in, in, in the US, but in we'd seen States, nothing like yeah. it here. But I, I can see that DNA in almost every brew pub that's opened up since then, you know, that, that relaxed, you know, casual vibe. Yeah. It goes so well though, doesn't it? And I remember the, you know, the story of the, of, of Howard and, and Nick and, you know, that, the, the early, they, they went on a tour of the, of the States and, you know, obviously Phil Sexton had worked at Bridgeport. Um, but then I think all of them went on a bit of a road trip, you know, including sort of Northern California up to, Oregon and I think they went over to Colorado. I think New Belgium was in there and stuff like that. So that must have been inspiring, you know, late late nineties, um, to, to be over there doing that at that time. Must have been pretty pretty incredible to see that. Absolutely. And then you're bringing a lot of that DNA over over to Australia and then yeah, the way it's just sort of the, the second wave, I guess we're calling it, right? The second wave of uh, of, of craft brewing in Australia, how it's just gone crazy. Yeah, but it's also interesting how many people were inspired by pale ales. You know, that, that American-style pale ale, they're almost considered passe these days um, when they were so inspirational for, for what we call the modern craft brewing industry. Yeah, look, I guess, and everybody, you know, like a, like this sort of hoppy American-style pale ale is, is now everywhere. Everybody's doing one. It's almost like you have to have one in your portfolio, almost. Um but yeah, man, they're, they're just, you know, it's, if you think about it, they're sessionable, but flavoursome. I mean, you know, that's, that's, the, that's a great crossroad to have, isn't it? Mm. You got some flavour, but it's, you can have a couple. And so it just, no wonder it works so well. And then like, I'm, I, um, I've been privileged enough to go and select the hops for creatures in, in Yakima. Uh, I got to do it three, three years in a row which was something I'll never forget. But when you get to go and do that, you you know, like the way we did it when I went was because we had that relationship with, with Bridgeport and, the, and they're, they're part of the Gambrinus group, we've, we'd fly into Portland and then hang out with them at Bridgeport and then drive out to Yakima and you'd visit a couple of breweries on the way out, like at Hood River and, and then out at Yakima, there's a really kick-ass one called Bale Breaker. Yep. It yep. just going and doing that is like this religious experience. It just fires you back up. You 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 came back so fired up that you were there. You tasting all these fresh pale ales with all those amazing hops out of Yakima, and yeah, just um, dude, it's almost like uh, 
you know, it's it's like I'm going to Europe and getting to go to uh, Burton upon Trent to go to the home of English pale ales or something like that. It's like a it's like a little it's a, it's a brewer's pilgrimage now. It's quite amazing to do. What you've just said resonates with me because, again, my, my first uh, experience of to, to seeing the hop harvest was down in Bushy Park, and it just completely changes your perception of beer. Like, it, even though instinctively you know that beer is made from grain and hops and water, and it's it's as much art as science, to actually see those hops being harvested is it, it completely transforms your view. When until then you'd seen the big house breweries you know, on, on a brewery tour when they're completely closed in and you can't really see the process. Mm. I, I, I get, it's one of those things that maybe beer has suffered from in a way. We, we've moved away from that real kind of intimate relationship with the agricultural products. You know what I mean? Whereas wine mm. still very much has that, you know, it's the terroir, it's the, you know, we're growing the grapes in this specific area and, and that real tie-in, um, I guess beer's lost it. You, you can, it becomes a bit of a, the ingredients become a bit of a commodity and they're shipped all around the world and so you do kind of lose that a little bit, the way beer's been industrialised. But then it's really interesting to see everybody sort of moving back towards that. You know, you go, you go to Yakima, there's all these brewers coming in for hop harvest they're selecting their hops. You know, I really, I, I do really like to see that. And um, uh, I, I just actually just made a beer for Bevy, like what was that, in late Feb, and it was an all WA ingredient beer. So I, there's, you know, some, there's um, Preston Valley hops, which um, uh, AD used to work with me at Creatures, so um, I know him pretty well. So he's growing some hops. Uh, about an hour and a half down from here, and then you know I've got local malt, and I I tracked down um, a guy who's got a little market garden in East Perth, and he's growing sugar cane. So we cut his sugar cane, and we I got the chefs to like chop it up and boil it down, so we could use some sugar cane, and we uh, got some local honey, and the the chefs candied the honey for me, so I could darken the colour and get a little because we don't make specialty malts over here. So I was kind of wondering how we could darken the beer a little bit so the chefs candied the the honey for me um and then we use like finger limes and lemon myrtle from from down south so i tried to kind of create this completely wa ingredient beer which was loads of fun and loads of fun then chatting with each of those growers and do you know what i mean like that mm, nice, oh, absolutely getting getting back to the understanding when things harvest and and all that kind of stuff so it's sort of a nice you know reverting back to being a little bit more intimately tied in with the agricultural products that you're using and there's a whole can of worms that will that we might sort of uh come back to that a little bit later but it's because it it is fascinating you you talked about the difference between beer and wine and in in some ways beer has suffered from the scale but you know it took me a long time to come to an understanding of why i think that the, the two are different and you know Wine has always been made where the grapes are grown because you can't transport a grape, whereas beer is something, and, and you only make wine once a year and it, it's designed to be made and stored, whereas beer was something made with ingredients that could travel. And so, and because it wasn't something that did last for, you know, well um, for a long time, you sent the ingredients close to the market where you're going to make it. But that makes that, that 
completely changes your relationship with it. it, it it's viewed as being more um, in, industrial because that's in a lot of ways what it is. It's, it's much more of a commodity. You can make the same beer you know, every day of the week, whereas you can only make mm. the wine once and every batch of wine will be that little bit different. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, and, mm. and it, it does change our perceptions for it. But talk to me, when, when you first got into brewing and you knew that there was a little bit of art and a little bit of science, but you would have been brewing you know, with a, a pretty clear-cut four ingredients, maybe five if you include um, adjunct sugars, but suddenly mm. you're throwing all of these other things in, you know, finger limes and stuff like that. Was that something that you expected to do? I guess when I first started brewing at, at Creatures, we were only making three beers over and over again. We were doing Pale, Ale, Rogers and the Pilsner. And I think it was the size of brewery and the systems that they had in place you just wanted to learn. You wanted to learn off of these people that were really good at their job how to be a really good brewer. So I think that that fascination with the process and the science kept me occupied and uh, enthralled for quite a while there because I, when I started there, I mean, it was a 50 hectolitre system. The bottling line was 3,000 bottles an hour. It, you know, um, I probably didn't even really appreciate it, but that was, that was a fair scale of place that they had sort of launched with. And you had really, really knowledgeable people that were showing you the ropes. So I I think the repetitive pale ale over and over and over again didn't really wear thin on me for, for a long time. Um, it, it was a great tasting beer and it was a fascinating process that, that you know, we, it, it, you know, the brewery, what I really, one of the things I really um, admire about little creatures and, and, and there are other breweries in the world that I think are the same, they started with a clear-cut philosophy of what they were doing from the start. The brewery was designed to make this pale ale, you know, with the whole hop cones and the quarantine permits mm. that we had to get them from America and the bottle conditioning step and blah, blah, blah. So, um I think, yeah, just the process of that kept me really fascinated for quite some time. And also, I think you got to, it's almost like you got to learn to crawl before you walk kind of thing. You should, I don't think you should be coming in all guns blazing, trying to think that you can make a hundred amazing beers. You should learn your your craft really, really well and then uh, step out from there, if that makes sense. It does. So how long did you stay at Creatures? Uh, well, I've done two stints. Uh, I um, that first stint I did six years, um, and in that period of time, we kind of went from um, that the original sort of yeah size of brewery, and then each year there was sort of new tank upgrades, and we um, put in bigger bigger tanks, two hundred hectolitre tanks, and then we uh, put in this bottling line at Jones Street that I'm now back on um so i went down there and commissioned that and then i ran that for a couple of years and then we built a bigger brewery and the original 50 hectare brewery went over to start white rabbit um, and we put in this 100 hectolitre steinecker brew house which is beautiful big rolls royce thing um and and then i left for a few years and went overseas and um worked in a, a brewery in the uk um and then yeah, i came back one? Uh, well, when I was there, it was called Wells and Youngs. It keeps okay. changing its name, <laughs> but um, it was Charlie Wells um, and then Youngs of London merged with them and they were 
Wells and Youngs. Um, and I think now they're, I don't know what they are now. They're Wells and they're owned by Wolverhampton Dudley or some you know, <laughs> something like that. I think everybody, all the big guys are just, you know, sort of taking each other over in the UK or whatever. So It's hard to keep, um, t- I just confine myself to here as much as I can and try to stay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I look, and then I came back to Creatures and I think I did another six with them, maybe it was. And then I've moved to this Bevy project for the last couple of years. So we'll come to Bevy in a sec, but what did you learn when you were working in some of the, you know, were, were they fairly traditional English breweries or were they? Sort um, of- so the one I was at was, um, how would you describe it? It's a large, you know, sort of regional. It was family owned at the, at the time and they did a little bit of everything, which was quite fascinating. So they did traditional cask ales, which was the key reason I wanted to go to the UK to learn how to make car scale I, I don't know why i just love it um so that What's was my history sort of coming through aim yeah the, the, the history buff coming in i just if i was going to the uk i wanted to learn how to make car scale so that was my sort of thing for when i was hunting for a job over there and it was your um, scottish heritage that obviously gave you the uh the, the, the work entry entry at that stage yeah it was easy to get a uk passport <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um and yeah, so yeah, they did they did traditional cask ales, Young's ones and, and, and Wells ones. They both have big pub chains that they were feeding with the cask ales. Um, so Young's Bitter and London what's it called? No, London Pride? No, what's that one? That it was full as London Pride, so London something. Anyway. Bombardier was one of the okay. Wells ones. Um, and then so they did those and there was this big cask plant um you know like a big uh line production line for that and then they did they had a can line and bottling line and they did uh kirin ichiban under contract and they did red stripe oh wow um, they did like you know those high alcohol lagers that you're not really <laughs> too proud of making uh one was called super super crest and yeah so they did a whole bunch of of things there to sort of survive. And you came back and worked at Creatures, and so yeah. you, you went from Creatures I, I, to... Well, to... I, yeah, well, I, did. I came back to Creatures. It was funny because uh, we, uh, my wife and I, were, we, we sort of spent about six months backpacking back towards Australia, and I got we were in India, and there was a job going at the Swan Brewery, and I thought, oh, I'll apply for that because, you know, it'll take them, a, you know, interviewing process and stuff take quite a while. That, that might time out quite nicely. Give me a couple more months traveling and maybe I can get into the Swan Brewery. And um, Sean Simons, who was the brewing manager there at the time, and now he's the head brewer down at White Lakes White Brewery Lakes, here, yeah. here in Perth. Um, Sean was the brewing manager and, and um, we ended up, you know, like chatting on the phone. I was, I was in India and, you know, we, we, we sort of like kept Skyping each other or whatever and, and then he said, okay, this is getting serious. I'll, um, I'll, we should, you know, we should meet face to face. I'll fly. <laughs> I'll fly to, um, you name the capital city, the big city near you, and I'll, I'll get there, you know. like. And I was like, well, this is, this is getting a bit serious. Um, and in the meanwhile, I'd been talking to Russ, who's a head brewer down at Little Creatures, about can you be a referee for me on my, on my resume because I'm going for this job with Sean. And Russ was like, oh, you, you, you know, happy to be on your resume, but we've got a, we happen to have a job opened it back up here with us do you just want to come back and you know work work with us so i sort of hummed and out about that i was like yeah i'm gonna just come back to creatures because um there was a lot happening there and so 
I uh, negotiated a slightly longer period of time so we could, you know, kick, kick back banging for a little bit longer and then, then I came back. You, you've always been based in WA, so you went from Little Creatures to Established Bevy? Yeah, 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 which is, um, so Bevy's in a pub, a really large pub, next to the new uh, Optus Stadium, so the new stadium for Perth. If you wanted to build so a pub, just, it's pretty much where you'd want to build a pub. Yeah, look, it's an amazing sort of spot. So it's it's government-owned land that sort of is right next to the river, and it used to be sort of a, a golf course that was next to Crown Casino kind of area. Um, so the government's just sort of redeveloped the whole area, so a huge, this huge 60,000-people stadium, and then next to it was sort of the, what was the golf club kind of rooms or whatever, and some of that's just sort of been converted into this pub that's licensed for about two and a half thousand people, I think it is currently. So, And it must get pretty packed there on game days. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, game, game days are, are obviously really big for them. And that's the sort of the big, the big turnover days. Um, and then I guess, it, it, I think before it opened, I, a lot of people were probably questioning, okay, well, game days are going to be big, but how are you going to go on all those other days? Um, and I think it's going really well outside of game days. Um, the view from their place is, is lovely because, you know, you're looking over at the river and it's sort of got manicured gardens all around it and things like that. So um, it's a lovely spot. So even, yeah, outside of game day is still doing really well for them. Having brewed at Little Creatures where I, I guess you've got your core beers um, that, are, that are there, slightly larger than selection than when you first started, but then they've got a fairly experimental program. Um, you know, they're brewing some really interesting beers, that some of which uh, get put out and packaged. What, what are the challenges when you're brewing on a smaller system in a big capacity venue next to a football stadium in terms of creating beers that will sell there, but then hopefully we'll have one or two breakout for, for a broader market? I think uh, I think like any brand or or sort of portfolio you've got to kind of think about what the whole the whole portfolio is going to look like because you're right like your opportunity is uh, in a position like um, we've got with Bevy at, at the Canfield pub you've got lots of people coming on game days and they're not craft beer drinkers so can you get some easy drinking gateway ones in there to ease them into it to give craft beer a bit of exposure because it's a, I think it's a great opportunity for that kind of thing you've got lots of people coming in from areas that aren't really exposed to craft beer or it might not be their cup of tea so I think uh, to expose them to something that's going to be reasonably approachable is a smart move so uh, but then also have some interesting stuff going on uh, for those people that want to try something a little bit more interesting or adventurous so the way we've done it for bevy is we've got i guess maybe what we might call the the flagship beer which is a lager but the twist is it's kind of an amber lager so it's pretty easy drinking but it's kind of 40 ebc so it's um you know it's a bit deeper in color um so rogers or not quite to that yeah, it'd be, it'd be it'd be not it'd be a shade off of Rogers. Okay. Really. Yeah. But um, a lager, not an ale, so it'd be a little bit crisper. Yeah, but a lager. Yeah, low low BUs. Um, 
And I get, look, the inspiration for that one was a beer called Shiner Bock out of Texas. The kind of backstory on that one is when I got to go and select the hops in Yakima with the guys from Bridgeport, they're part of the Gambrinus group, and uh, the guys who make uh, Shiner Bock, they're in the Gambrinus group as well. So I got to hang out with Jimmy, the brewmaster, for a few years there and kind of get to know him and, and taste Shiner Bock. And, and so that was kind of the... The, the inspiration beer, that one. And, and, and what's your version called? Bevy First Lager. Bevy First Lager. Oh, so mm. uh, uh, you didn't have to spend too long workshopping that name if it was the first beer that you made. Was it the first beer you made? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, look, man, it's lying. There's lots of workshops. For, for <laughs> <lager>. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Yeah. Well, we're uh, good at workshopping those kind of things. <laughs> but, There's probably a PowerPoint presentation too on that one. <laughs> Well, no, it, it, it's interesting that because I, you know, Lion has you know obviously established, and we were speaking to a couple of the to the, the different breweries, but you, you've got the Byron Bay Brewery, and we I don't think we've ever spoken to to Alistair um, on the podcast. But then you've also got Furphy that has been. Well, you should. He's he's interesting. Yeah, he, he's an interesting guy. But the, the thing that I've noticed is that whilst the the strategy seems to be create a, a strong local brand and then have a beer. The beers that are coming out, you know, the Yumundi Lager is a different twist on what your first lager is doing, and it's different on what they've done down in Byron Bay. So there does still seem to be some experimenting going on and trying to find something that's relevant to a local market. Is is that? Yeah, and that's a fair enough observation because I think, you know, the reality is if you said, oh, hey, guys, we know what sells well, a lager and a pale ale. We all know it, right? Like, mm. you <laughs> Those two things are going to sell well, but you've got like, why do the same thing as everybody else? You got to then go, right, what can we do that might be um, a lager, but it's going to have its own twist and its own uh, characters to it. So, um, because there's no point in in everybody just doing the same cookie cutter thing again and again, right? So, Mm. um, you got to, for instance, like when we started, Bevy, we tried a twist on a on a pale ale um, and we tried to do we looked at some old recipes from you know like back in the colonial kind of days a bit historical and we did some things where we sort of because back in the day you would have had direct kiln malt so it might have had a little brown or smoky character we, we tried to like build that into this beer um, and I think uh, that was going to be our twist on pale ale a bit but I think Possibly we were trying to be too clever. Just didn't really, I don't know, it just didn't resonate. We didn't nail that one, so we um, we just got rid of that. But um, I think it's fun if that's your, like, what's your challenge? Don't just cookie cutter off of what somebody else has done. What's going to be your twist on, on something? So um, that's half the fun and the challenge. Yeah. And have you had any beers that have broken out off tap and you know, gone into package for wider distribution? Uh, no, not yet. So the only thing we've done so far, um, so the guys that own the Camfield, the pub that we're in, they own two other pubs in Perth. So we've gone on tap into those. Um, and the, the lager has gone to a few other pubs. And now the next challenge will be within the next year, how will we package? So we gotta, we're going to try and work that out. We can't expand the brewery any bigger than what it is. Uh, and there's no space for packaging in there. So we're just going to try, you know, like what are our options? Um, we're going to have to try and work that out. Uh, maybe some mobile canning or something like that. 
that'll be one of the next steps. Yeah, but if, if you did know one that was a bit of a breakout, would you have the capacity down at Creatures? Because I, I guess that's the advantage of being in the network is that, you know, if you do have something, um, you know, we've Can already you bump seen... bump it up? Yeah, or, or already seen yeah. the Lager sort of expand out of the Yumundi Brewery um, for, for package. Yeah, so we've got... Um, the Lager is occasionally bumping up to Little Creatures Frio um, because we can't keep up with it. Uh, the hard part is you go from like a 12-hectolitre brewery to a 100 hectolitre brewery that's a that's a hell of a bump up um so you gotta you know like how are we gonna you use that volume you know it's it's you go from yeah 12 hex or you know i got double tanks so i can i can make 24 hex of a batch and then the guys down there are making 100 hex so it's it's a big bump up so yeah then maybe work out can we can we package or something as well mm. would be really good to sort of use that volume and then get out to a new market as well so have you been using the time that we've been uh, sort of in lockdown uh, apart from packaging down at creatures <laughs> have you been planning what your uh, next couple of beers are going to be at bevy yeah i, I look I, it was it was so heartbreaking with i mean for many many reasons for, for with what's going on but specifically being a, a brewer in a in a in a keg only brewery is is not being able to move any of your product and i had some like I was having a lot of fun. I, was, I thought I was on a little little streak there. Um, we just did this. Um, we literally the week it must have been yeah one week before I think all the pubs had to shut down. We did a a, a, a bevy with friends little festival at the Canfield, and that was loads of fun. We we had uh, little creatures came down. We had the guys from Bright Tank, Blaster, and they're both kind of like a ten minute walk in either direction from 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 where we are. Uh, we had the guys from Cheeky Monkey and Nowhere Man, so uh, and and a couple of distilleries as well. We had this little mini festival going on, and we made this um, collaboration brew, which was sort of a I called it a a hoppy saison with botanicals, and so that one was a bit of fun. But we didn't get to sell it all before we shut, so <laughs> we'll see how they go. Looking see. at other options, we might um, see what we can do with it, distill it or something. I've got. Um, I've got a stout aging in Shiraz barrels, so Lewin Estate Shiraz barrels. So that's um, sitting uh, in the storeroom at the moment. So, and that'll be good for when we come out the other side of this. What else have we got planning? We've got, um, we've got a fun one, and it was, um, so we've got a, there's a lion, uh, one of the lion sales guys, Tony Vitelli. He's a bit of a legend in the, in the Perth scene. And he's a good Italian Frio man, and he grows all his own citrus in his front garden. And so he's just harvested all his citrus, all his limes, and and we're gonna I'm gonna get them in the deep freeze. But when we come out the other side of this, we we've already planned this um sort of a uh, hoppy citrus retail thing that we're gonna do um, with all his limes. Um, it's probably all we've planned. A double IPA. I don't know what it is yet, but I haven't really designed it yet. But a double IPA is on the cards. That sounds very <laughs> different from uh, from what you're outlining as the sort of thing that, uh, you know, to, to get people who may not necessarily be into beer. Well, yeah. So what we've sort of, what we've tinkered with is we've got the, we've got the Amber Lager as sort of the, the flagship. We've got a, I would call it a New World Pale Ale that's at mid-strength, so 3.5%. Um, it's the only mid-strength that the Camfield have on. And so obviously with that game day 
tie in. A lot of people, so the stadium is mid-strength only when you're inside the stadium. So a lot of people will sit on mid-strength all, all day kind of thing if they're, if they're um, going to watch the football or the cricket or whatever. So I've got one called Signet, which is our hockey mid-strength. Um, and then I've got an XPA, a 5% XPA. It's pretty citrus-leaning. Uh, there's cryo-citra in there and Chinook, and so it's kind of a citrus-leaning XPA. And then we're going to do one interesting new seasonal or whatever you want to call it per month. So that's what all these other ones are going to be. Sort of one a month, we're going to turn over a, a new, a new and interesting thing. So that's the that's the the fun play area. Well, it sounds like I was very disappointed that the uh, the current situation meant that the IBD was cancelled because I'd had a shopping list of things that I wanted to experience, and getting to the uh, to, to Bevy was one of them. So hopefully they will resurrect that. Uh, I think they've already rescheduled it for towards the end of the year, so hopefully I'll get the chance to, they, to get over for that one. Yeah, I think they've already reset dates, haven't they? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and unfortunately, like so many things, yeah, they're all, all cancelled or a lot of things are just sort of postponed, but we're not sure when it's going to be. Um, we've had to postpone WA Beer Week and we were going to be doing another WABA uh, conference uh, again, it was going to be mid-June, and now we'll just have to maybe wait and see a bit. It'd be nice to do it this year, maybe November, but well, I guess, yeah, maybe just wait and see a little bit on those kind of things. Oh, well, uh, hopefully we'll get to continue this uh, conversation when I when I get over there for one of those things. But Andy Skate, thank you very much for joining us. It's been a fascinating chat about so many uh, different things, which is what yeah, makes these conversations you. fun. It's a load of fun, isn't it? Yeah. Mate, all, all the very best getting through and, and surviving your uh, return stint to the packaging line and uh, looking forward to having uh, a <laughs> beer with you uh, li- literally on the other side, uh, both on the other side of the continent and on the other side of uh, the, the current situation. <laughs> nice one. Thanks, Matt. Thank you. Thanks for having me. That was fun. And that was Andy Skade. Radio Brews News is proudly presented by Crime Malt. With over 25 years in the field, Crymalt are dedicated to providing the finest brewing ingredients to help brewers create the foundations of a truly excellent beer. Your premium brewing partner and proud sponsors of Beer as a Conversation. Don't forget, if you like what we do at Radio Brews News, you can help us out in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show, either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You can find details in the show notes. You can review our podcast on iTunes or your favourite podcasting service. Let us know what you think and help others discover the show. Finally, you can tell us directly what you think by sending an email to producer at bruisenews.com.au.